0: My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull working somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to America. Other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job, not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, put in perspective. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Fear is the least rational emotion. Logically, you can't be worried about one thing and then suddenly freak out when the opposite happens. It's totally lacking in rigor. But it happens all the time around here, and that's what threw us off today. Sending the Dow, dipping 17 points, S&P declining 0.11%, NASDAQ lost 0.14%. Let me explain what I'm talking about so you can see how a bullish situation gets turned into a bearish one by pessimists who won it both ways. And this morning we awoke to a story about how the Chinese huge buyers of U.S. treasuries are cooling to them. Oh boy, did that freak people out. Millions of shares came in for sale at the opening today because of the terrible implications of the Chinese perhaps dumping the $1.2 trillion Treasury hoard. Do you know that the Dow was down 100 points in lightning speed on this? (laughs) Yet, one of the principal worries of seasoned portfolio managers is that there is no inflection in the yield curve, meaning you're almost getting the same return from short-term treasuries as you are from longer-term ones. That puts us in a situation where we have what's known as a flat yield curve, something that is often a precursor to a recession. Makes sense. Fed raises rates too quickly, loan demand falls off and the economy worsens. But here's the thing: if China comes into the market and starts dumping longer-term treasuries, sell, 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 we won't have a flat yield curve anymore. That supply's gonna move it up. Long-term rates will go higher and bears lose their big thesis. <laughs> propping up the idea that a recession is right around the corner. Does it look like one to you? I am so adamant about this that I wish the Federal Reserve would sell off its own gigantic stash of long-term treasuries, which would accomplish the same thing that the Chinese would. I, I, it's, it's also why I've been calling for President Trump and Gary Cohn, the national advisor, to issue a 50-year, half-a-trillion-dollar bond offering to make America's infrastructure great again. You kill two birds with one stone building new bridges and tunnels, and allowing interest rates to rise. So tell me, how can we be worried that long-term rates are too low, so low that they might be signaling a recession, but then when they do go up, thanks to the Chinese, we just freak out even more? Can both sides really be bearish? I mean, heads I win, tails you lose? You know that's insane. Not only that, but if you really believe this is the case, I got some bad news for you. Today's sell-off in bonds and the concomitant rise in interest rates was so small that you would need a microscope or at least one of these things to see where it is. When I got in the business, interest rates were at 14%. When they got down to 11%, you know what we did? We celebrated. So keep any interest rate-related scares in perspective with the yield of the 10-year down at 2.55%. Jeez, that's something to worry about. Let me make one thing crystal clear. This is not a be careful what you wish for story. We want rates higher, period. The pace of loan growth in this country is slowing. Something I'm sure we're gonna hear about when the big banks start reporting on Friday, probably knock the stocks down, given how far they've advanced already. Higher long-term rates will make banks eager to lend. So more bonds the Chinese dump, the better. There are plenty of other places where the bears are trying to have it both ways. We're hearing that inflation is heating up, rearing its ugly head, particularly in Europe, where German bond yields have increased by 11% since the beginning of the year. Now, put aside the fact that German rates are still negative, meaning if you buy their bonds, you're guaranteed to lose money. Doesn't matter. Suddenly, everyone is fretting about inflation, which leaves me scratching my head. Because just last month, everybody was worried about the lack of inflation. Yep, the fear was that without inflation, specifically wage inflation, workers wouldn't get paid more, so consumers would spend less, so companies would make less money. So maybe the Fed wouldn't be able to raise rates quickly, which therefore would hurt the bank earnings. That's the litany. And that would be terrible for the market's most important leadership group, because the financials determine a lot of what's working. When things look bad this morning because of our newfound inflation fears, JP Morgan's stock started to rally. Makes sense, the banks need inflation. The other financials soon followed, and they did turn the, around the whole market for a time. And you know what I gotta tell you? It, you see how magic that leadership is when they turn around. But that's why you can't have it both ways. You can't say, boo-hoo, there's no inflation, let's sell stocks, and then say, boo-hoo, there's inflation, let's sell stocks. It is either people, one way or the other. Anybody who tries to make both arguments is being disingenuous, which is why you hear this stuff from money managers who want the market to go lower. Why? So their performance can catch up with the averages. That's the way it works, people. I'm from this business. Oh, boy, here's the biggest one, oil. Oil. Now that oil is comfortably above $60 a barrel, we're hearing about how dangerous and inflationary these newfound prices could be for all the people and businesses who need to buy the stuff. Every time someone mentions crude these days, it's within the context of oil being a breeding ground for inflation. It's practically a cliche by now. But a couple of years ago, when oil was in the butt, was down on its butt, when it was was in the 20s and 30s, all we heard, was that if it kept going down, it could take employment and bank balance sheets with it. The economics of once red-hot states like Texas and Oklahoma were suddenly called into question. There were even some conference calls devoted entirely to the issue of falling energy prices that also lamented how our independent oil companies would run out of cash and create a huge hole in the gigantic junk bond market. Back then, everyone understood that we needed more. We needed much higher oil prices, high enough to get trillion to accelerate, put people back to work, take the pressure off the financials and eliminate the threat of looming bankruptcies. The sweet spot price that was supposed to make all this happen Yeah, you got it, North of 60, where we are right now. Yep, when investors were terrified of lower oil, $63 crude was seen as the holy grail to make everything work. And that's where employment would pick up, the need for pipelines, significant job creators, Uh, would accelerate, and oil companies would be able to turn a profit, allowing them to pay back the banks. Plus, at the same time, oil in the mid-'60s isn't so expensive that it would raise the price of gasoline at the pump enough to really hurt the consumer, especially since new cars are so much more fuel-efficient. In short, oil prices are now where everyone hoped they'd be two years ago in order to make the stock market hum. And what happens? Suddenly we hear that we're dead men walking because oil's too high. You can't make this stuff up. There's just no pleasing some people, and you know who they are. You got it. I've become used to some of these scare tactics. tactics. Honestly, other than the amazing Warren Buffett, who advocated against uh, this uh, morning when being interviewed by Becky Quick, a long-term approach. He advocated, for, let's say, let's go long-term, he was saying, where equities tend to perform well versus the bond market competition when interest rates are this low. Most money managers these days want to talk about what can go wrong. Even it directly contradicts what they claim to be hoping for not that long ago. Buffett's so refreshing precisely because he doesn't react with alarm to non-alarming things. And he's been in the business long enough to know that there's nothing wrong with buying stocks right here, right now. I'll go one step further. In a way, I'm glad these Cassandras are out there driving the market lower because they're going to give you a better entry point for your 401k or your IRA. The bottom line, don't be careful what you wish for. When good things happen, embrace them. There's a cohort of money managers out there who need stocks to go lower, and they will say anything to make you feel afraid. They are the anti-Goldilocks crowd. Nothing is ever right for these people. It's always too high or too low, and definitely pointing to some looming catastrophe. These bears would be great in a horror movie. Just please don't take the financial advice all that seriously. I'd like to go to Tony in California. Tony. Hey, Kramer. Yo, yo. How's it going, Steve, Daddy? Man, it's a great day. Got back from Florida. Boy, my arms are hurt. That's a joke from (laughs) any other. Hey, well, I'm hanging out in the rain here in California right now. Man, that is a terrible tragedy. I covered some when I was (laughs) a reporter out there covering homicide crime. Uh, it was never as bad as what I just saw. This year has been just a job like Annabelle is harmless for, for uh, California just in the last 12 months. Wow. Yeah, we've been getting our, our, you know, what kicked, but anyway, That's terrible. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to ask you about a uh, digital reality trust. You know, it's been a real good performer for me and a thank you for that. But, you know, it seems caught in a bit of a downtrend right now with the rising interest rate environment. I was just wondering, uh, do you think it's still a whole Tony? Know, I gotta to tell you, I've been watching second. this Course Site Real. I've been watching this group, they're all trading together. You know that they shouldn't be trading together. You're in a good one. Ah. I would actually be a buyer of more digital reality. That's how much I like it. Now I'm going to Tim in Pennsylvania. Tim. Hey, a Northeast Philadelphia extra sharp cheese on our cheesesteak booyah to hey, you, Jim. Hey, Gino's, I'll, I'll be too- there Sunday, cheesesteak, no matter I, what, man. Good I to have you aboard. How I do help? I help? I, rode with my dad and learned. I, too, rode with my dad and learned from me. My call is for ONC Sparks Therapeutic. Oh, my. This is, you've got me in the most controversial thing. Then uh, it's even more controversial controversial than the Eagles being underdogs this weekend. I've got to do more work on it. I know Meg's done fantastic coverage, but I'm not done learning this story. Let me come back on that one. All right, how about we go to Matthew in Ohio? Matthew? Booyah Kramer, I'm here with my dad. Hi, Jim. I'm
1: Ken, and
0: I like trucks. Is it a good time to buy and take a ride with Ryder? Thank you. All right, Chief. Listen to me. They're really kind of much more into the logistics now. I know those trucks look cool, but they're not, that's they're not their business. But Rider's logistics business is good. You know whose is better, even though we sold the stock for the trust? XP. I wish that stock would come down. Get right back in it. All right, you can't have it both ways, people. The second guessers threw us off today. But you know what? There's plenty of cash on the sidelines waiting to get in. They're giving you a break old man. Money tonight. The man who helped push dominoes from $10 before he started recommending it to $200. Mad Money fave, Patty Doyle, just announced his retirement plan. I'm talking to him about what's next. Then, are investors hitting the play button on the video game stocks? I'll tell you if it's time to power up your portfolio or maybe do a reset when I go off the charts. And Tableau software symbol data is making major changes to its core part of its software to keep up with its customers' data needs, including the Internet of Things. Can it also help your portfolio? I'm going to talk with the CEO. So stick with Kramer.
2: You can't lead a a company like this unless you love food. I love food, I love pizza. The internet is, is absolutely fabulous for us. It's a win for the customer and it's a win for us. We're feeling pretty good about where we are. Getting the pizza right, getting the communication right, and then give the customers the kind of experience that we wanted to give them. Still a lot to come on the technology front, and part of that is around the delivery experience. Stay tuned, we're a competitive bunch here.
0: Wow, it's the end of an era for Domino's Pizza. Longtime CEO Patrick Doyle would be stepping down come June. That's right, he's going to be replaced by Richard Allison, currently the president of Domino's International. Stock sold off today, down nearly seven bucks. It's easy to understand why. In fact, I'm surprised it wasn't down more, maybe much more. We've been behind Doyle nearly every step of the way ever since he came on the show in 2010. Stock was around 10 bucks and change. Even after today's decline. It's at 200 bucks—a nearly 1,900% gain. Under his leadership, Domino's transformed from a chain with self-described cardboard-tasting pizza to a terrific technology company with an amazing online ordering system and a phenomenal pizza. So, what does the future look like for the company without this visionary at the helm? You know what? Let's ask the man himself, Patrick Doyle, the bankable president and CEO of Domino's Pizza, as he gets ready to take a victory lap after an amazing tenure. Mr. Doyle, welcome back to Mad Money.
2: Thanks, Jim. I appreciate
0: it. Well, Pat, when I spoke yesterday, you know, I was sad because you've been remarkable and you've been a great friend of the show. Uh, You're 54. You got a lot of things to do. Uh, Why now?
2: (laughs) You know what? I accomplished the goals that I'd set out for myself when I took over in in 2010. Our franchisees are doing great. They got the best unit economics in the industry. We're number one in pizza now. And so really the third part of this for me and – kind of always thought it was going to be about a 10-year deal. And this could going to be about eight and a half by the time I leave at the end of the June. But, you know, it was really, do I have the right leaders in place? And, you know, the board, uh, this is ultimately their decision on who's going to succeed me. And I couldn't be more thrilled uh, that Rich Allison is going to be the next CEO. Russell Weiner is going to be the chief operating officer. We've got an amazing team in place. And so I would not leave unless I was confident that this business was going to do even better going forward. And so terrific team. If they're ready and I've hit the goals that I set for myself, there's a rhythm to these things, and this is the right time to do it. They're ready, and so I'll run hard until the end of June, take the back half of the year off, and figure out what I'm going to do next.
0: Okay, now I need to tell you, as soon as people heard that you were leaving – Chipotle stock jumped a huge amount. He said, oh, he's going to Chipotle. I said, no, I spoke to him. He has really no plans. He wants to figure out what his next chapter of life is, right? That's
2: exactly right. And I don't, you know what, I'm in a position that fortunately I can do this sequentially. So I am thinking about nothing but dominoes until midnight on June 30th. And then my wife and I are going to go off and, and take six months and Figure out what our next adventure is going to be. I'm not going to retire. I'm, I'm too young for that. I'm going to keep doing something, but I have no idea what that's going to look like. And uh, and I'm going to take you know a little bit of time the back half of the year and figure that out. And you know maybe you'll give me some advice along the way on that.
0: Well, I you're young, but I heard my I said I'm 54 years old. It's too early. But you have you said you'd accomplished what three things when you were done? When you got all three done, you were ready to roll, right? Yep, that's exactly right. So let me ask you something. Uh, Did you know when we first met that when you did that revolutionary campaign where you told me that the pizza tasted like cardboard, that you could have that phenomenal return? I mean, you had to start somewhere. You started with the most basic, but then you just became a technological marvel, too. Did you know a lot about technology when you started? I I knew you know a lot about taste of pizza.
2: Right. Yeah. You know what? I I did not. I mean, if I think about the different areas of the company, certainly I ate a lot of pizza. I was eating Domino's when I was in college and, you know, I'd worked in finance and I'd I'd been a marketing guy and I'd run operations and done a lot of different things. But technology had not been on that list. And, you know, look, I you know, all I can say today is I understand what you can do uh, with technology. But, you know, Kevin Vasconi is our CIO. He is amazing. Dennis Maloney runs our kind of digital operations, figuring out what to do with it. I can help figuring out what to do with it. But, uh, you know, I got to have people a lot smarter than me that can figure out how to actually make that work.
0: Well, I want to give you a chance to just say, talk about something that you did, which is to make it so that, again, younger people, immigrants, people who would not normally be able to have a business of themselves, you created an environment where that could happen. Talk about that to us.
2: Well, that, and that's ultimately what's most important to me is, is, you know, over 90% of our franchisees in the U.S. started as hourly workers in our stores. And, you know, we've now got a uh, 800 franchisees in the U.S. They're making just terrific money on their business. They're creating opportunities for more people within their business. They're generating new franchisees. And there is nothing More important to me than that and that creating opportunity that's what gets me excited every day and i'll tell you that's the only hard part of this is you know i got an awful lot of great friends in the system and in the company and uh, i guess the good news is you know can't be a pure friendship when you're when you're working together and uh you know and and i'm going to continue to be friends with an awful lot of them going forward
0: Well, i got to tell you, I've got just one question about Mr. Allison. How did he do in international and what can he bring to the table?
2: Well, you know what? You look at his track record in international, he's been running it for seven years. It's been growing faster with him running it than it's ever grown before. Track record is absolutely phenomenal. Before he came, he worked with a lot of different restaurant companies uh, as a consultant and then you know, came here and has just lit it up as a leader. He's smart, he's disciplined, uh, and he is an incredibly good person. And, you know, all of those three things together with the track record make him a terrific choice. And, again, I, you know, I, it's why I'm leaving now. If, you, if you've got somebody ready to take over, there's just a rhythm to these things, and it's time he's ready and all I couldn't right. be more excited all to be right. able well, to All right, well, look, I know you're not
0: done. Before you retire, you got to come here one more time. You bring me that no cheese pizza, you know Absolutely. I like so much. Pat Doyle, congratulations <laughs> on all you've done, and I hope you have just to miss so many more great things for people and for shareholders, and yes, for you and your wife. Why not? It's your time too. <laughs> That's Patrick Doyle, President CEO of Domino's yeah. Pizza, the best performing stock, uh, and the best performing CEO we've ever had. And my Viewers know I've been a huge fan of the video game stocks. I mean, there's a whole generation of people out there who can't remember a world without Nintendo. And many of them are now old enough to spend meaningful chunks of their bucks on their hobbies. Plus, the technology just keeps getting better and better, including the chips that it's run on, making games more and more alluring for couch-bound millennials who uh, order Domino's pizza. So as 2018 gets rolling, I think it's important to look at what's been working here and what might change going forward? That's why tonight we're going off the charts with Robert Marino. He's a brilliant technician. Happens to be my colleague at RealMoney.com. He's also the publisher of rightviewtrading.com. to Get a better sense of this exciting industry that I know you care so much about. First of all, it's worth pointing out that over the last 52 weeks, the best-performing stock of the group was the one that we've been pounding the table forever, Strauss Zelnick's Take-Two Interactive software. That's up 127%. That's so good it makes Electronic Arts and Activision Blizzard, the two largest gaming companies on Earth, look like laggards, even as their stocks have surged 42% and 74% just in the same period. Wow. I know they look bad, but. Wouldn't you love to have a stock that was up 70? These are tremendous gains, though e- even if they aren't at Take-Two levels. And more important, Marino thinks that both EA and Activision look poised to play catch-up to Take-Two as the year progresses. But now, first, let's look at the chart of Take-Two, because at least in the stock market, this one is the undisputed leader in the gaming space. So glad that we have had Strauss on so many times. For those of you who don't know about this sort of thing, maybe uh, you have too much of a social life, perhaps. Take Two is the company behind the most popular gaming franchise of all time, Grand Theft Auto. They also have a series of other major titles, Red Dead Redemption, that the gamers love. Border, well, they love always Borderlands, XCOM, and NBA 2K, among many others. And by the way, these, excuse me, <coughs> these, these are the games that do really well on the NVIDIA chip that I always talk about. Now, I used to look at Take-Two as a kind of a scrappy underdog. But its stock has been running so fast for so long, it started to rival the big boys. Even if this $13 billion company still isn't quite in the same league as the $34 billion EA or the $50 billion Activision. So what does it mean think of this one? After flying into the stratosphere in early November, Take-Two stocks seemed to stall. Okay. And failing to break out, Failing to break out to the new highs. See right there, had that lid on it. Uh, and been pulling back rather dramatically. That was a time when a lot of people thought it was done. Marina notes that the stock pulled back below its 50-day moving average. And since then, it's been consolidating in what we call a cup-and-handle pattern. All right? Uh, it's right to, uh, below its ceiling of resistance at 115. Now, this cup-and-handle formation is important. It looks like a little cup right, the bottom, followed by a period where the stock trades sideways, looking like a handle. It's one of the most reliably bullish patterns in the book, the book being, of course, get rich carefully, which has a whole chapter on reliable patterns. Last Friday, Take-Two broke out above the $115 ceiling, retesting its November highs, and Marina likes what he's ha- what he sees happening here. Now, it's not just that. The moving average convergence-divergence, or what we call the MACD indicator, get a load of this, an important gauge of momentum that technicians use to detect changes in a stock's trajectory before they happen, has just made a bullish crossover. There's your bullish crossover. We know to look for those. where the black Line crosses over the red. Another reliably bullish signal that a stock is ready to run. In other words, these are not coincident, they are predictive. That's really important. Meanwhile, the on balance volume line of momentum indicator that looks at volume flow, adding the volume on up days and subtracting the volume on down days, continues to move higher. So that's going in the right direction. That's another bullish tell. Suggest that big institutional money managers continue to add their positions even up here. Now, sure, over the last couple of days, Take-Two has pulled back, dropping below that Key 115 level, again, before bouncing back above it today. But Marino thinks the stock has a lot going for here, and we'll soon be ready to resume its long-term march higher. Wouldn't that be incredible? Have that big move right here, and then it just goes again? But that wouldn't stop us. That's exactly the kind of thing that I'm always looking for. And it does remind me of what happened at NVIDIA at the 180 to 190 level. Okay, that said, he doesn't think Take-Two is the best bet in the video game space right now, simply because Activision and EA have much more room to run, he believes. So why don't we take a da- take a look at the daily chart of Activision Blizzard, which is a stock that my Chapel Trust owns. I talked a lot about it today. I have a club call. This is a really interesting company. It's the colossus behind Call of Duty, Overwatch, World of Warcraft, and a-, and a host of incredibly lucrative franchises. Activision has a lot of exposure to the booming eSports business, where people actually pay real money to watch other people play video games in big arenas. By the way, the season for eSports actually opened. It's got a season. They got NCAA scholarships, for heaven's sake. Now, Marina notes that Activision stock has been under consolidation for four months Man, this is paint try. Right here is paint try, okay? Basically trading sideways, stuck in a range between 60 and 67. Last month, the stock dipped below its floor support. A lot of panic there, right there. But it bounced after hitting its 200-day moving average and is making a comeback ever since, although the shorts have been laying on it right here. And they so far have been very, very effective in keeping a lid on it. Feast your eyes, though, on the stochastic uh, oscillator. This is really good. Measures whether a stock is overbought or oversold. The oscillator just recently right now, just recently crossed over the above the center line. Now, when it does that, Marino says that's a sign that the stock is ready to gallop. Importance is it's only a buck away from the ceiling of resistance that has held it back for months. At the same time, the Chaykin money flow, Chaykin is phil- the Philadelphians, whom I know well, uh, which measures the level of buyers selling pressure and security, recently moved into positive territory. So you can see this was marking time here, and then it just went like that. Activision just made a higher high above its smaller uh, uptrend line, and Marino thinks it's ready to break out. This four-month period of consolidation, which has been torture, is like a coiled spring, he says, ready to propel the stock higher. Perhaps dramatically higher. Finally, how about the Daily Chart of Electronic Arts, which is the old big daddy of the group. This is another titan. You know them as the guys behind Battlefield, Need for Speed, The Sims, and a bunch of terrific licensed sports, FIFA, Madden, NFL, and NBA Live. He likes this chart. There's another stock that's been consolidating for months, for even longer than Activision, which is why it's been the worst performer in the space over the last 12 months. Although, again, hey, stock's up 42%, and that's not anything to complain about. We'd all take that, right? EA stock began to flatten out in the middle of last year, then rolled over, forming a rounded top. In December, the stock got beaten all the way down to 100 bucks, where it held. Since then, it's been forming, yes, a cup-and-handle pattern, just under 110 It's exactly like we saw from Take-Two. With EA now at 112, the stock has broken out above its ceiling resistance. Meanwhile, the relative strength indicator, the RSI, okay, important momentum indicator, has been tracking higher since December. That's very positive. On the other hand, the accumulation distribution line, another key measure of money flow, it's been flat. And that's part of what I don't like about this. He likes this, but I'm not as big a fan. This is going to need to pick up before Marino uh, really believes that EA is ready to run. But once it does, he thinks the stocks could have a ton of upside. I really prefer Activision, though. Here's the bottom line. The video game space remains one of the hottest secular growth groups around, and I think these stocks have more room to run in 2018, including Take-Two Interactive. But the charts, as interpreted by Bob Marino, suggested Electronic Arts, and Activision Blizzard could end up giving you better performance this year as they start to play catch-up to this tremendous outperformer run by Strauss-Selnick. I want to go to Geo in New York. Geo, How you doing, Jim? Oh, man, I am great. How about you? Good, thank you. I got a question
1: about Kodak.
0: Yeah. All right. So, do you think
1: that uh, due to the recent crypto craze in blockchain, Kodak's being pumped or... Do you think Kodak Kodak Coin have potential to be one of 2018's hottest stocks?
0: Look, I think this stock is, a lot of people are short. It. The fundamentals aren't that great. and I think you got to ka-ching, ka-ching, Now, ka-ching, ka-ching, half. But what made me think about this, Warren Buffett, that amazing interview with Becky Quick, was talking about that this thing is going to end badly. Now, he didn't say it's going to end badly quickly, but I don't want to be on the other side of Warren Buffett. It's always been a bad place to be. Scott, New York, Scott. Greetings. How are you? Surprisingly well. How the heck are you? Surprisingly well myself. We're both surprising. What's going on? Oh, it's all good. I've had Sirius XM since 2012. Sweet. I like the product.
2: I like listening to it. I like the company. I've got 70,000 plus shares. Um, I'd love to sit on it for another bunch of years. What do you think?
0: Wow, man. You've done really well in that. Now, it's got two of the smartest investors that are our largest shareholders. It's got John Malone, and then it's got Warren Buffett. I agree with you about the channels. I like 27. I like Classic Final. Here's what I would tell you about this particular stock. People thought they had negative news today. And I read through the news about uh, the numbers, and I thought they were terrific. Not only do I want you to hold on, but for those out there who don't own this thing, any dip below five. Bye, bye, bye! Good call by you. Congratulations on making all that money on that stock. We love that old man money. The video game space is one of the hottest groups out there. I'm game for take two. While the charter states electronic arts and Activision Blizzard are the way to go, Activision Blizzard esports season started today. Much more man bunny head. including a company that works with the likes of Google, Amazon Web Services, and SpaceX. Is it time to consider Tableau Software off a new product they have? I got the CEO. And big news. Individual companies don't seem to matter anymore. I'll reveal what does just ahead. And all your calls, rapid fire. Tonight's just a lightning round. So stick with Kramer. Kramer, you are super, you are awesome. I'm a first-time investor. Thank you for inspiring me to get in the game. Your show is the best. I am so glad you're on TV. I want you to know
2: that you have transformed me. Thank you, Kramer.
0: of Tableau software data, D-A-T-A for your home gamers, that's the symbol, of the analytics firm with a stock that's been steadily working its way back into the market's good graces after that rough patch a couple of years ago that I think is now behind us. Earlier today, Tableau launched a revolutionary new product. It's called Hyper, which is an in-memory data engine designed for rapid processing of larger complex data sets at speeds much faster than you get from the current industry standard. Now, at the moment, Tableau is in its quiet period, so we're not we're talking about the quarter right we, we don't care we think long term on the show we want to talk about the product what it does how it can be used so let's check in with Adam Slipsky. he is the president CEO of Tableau software get a better sense of what's happening here Adam welcome back to Mad money good to see you Hi, have you, a seat great to see you all right so let's get the standard here because a lot of people on our show are probably saying well wait a second everybody always has data and what what's it, what is you know really what is what does hyper do that's so much better than the other mousetrap?"
1: Right. Well, we're really excited today to be launching the newest version of Tableau, which Mm -hmm. as you said includes Hyper, which is a breakthrough new uh, data engine technology. So Hyper lets you uh, bring in data into Tableau uh, five times faster than before, lets you perform queries or analyze data in Tableau up to three times faster Mm -hmm. than before, and just lets you bring in much, much larger data sets so you can perform analysis that was, in many cases, impractical before. So customers are really excited about the
0: release. Okay, well, let's. we had Paul Pullman on recently from Unilever, and far-flung universe of products where he's gotta be at home in every different country and he's gotta really know what's going on. How does this make life easier for Paul Pullman and more profitable for Unilever shareholders?
1: Well, at Unilever, that geographic and also product dispersion that you referenced is key. they were having you know, some amount of trouble trying to understand what was going on with different products in, mm. in various local countries. And with Tableau, they're able to you know, globally take a country by country view of their product lines. They're under, able to look at and understand local competitive dynamics okay. in each of these countries and really get both a global and a drilled down local view, which really gives a lot more visibility into the business. Do you have to be genius to use uh, it, no, Tableau is all about intuitive self service you know empowered analytics at a really low uh, low cost. so we've got uh, not just big enterprises, uh, in fact, right here in, uh, in your backyard we've got the Brooklyn Public Library using uh, tableau so uh, librarians there are looking at circulation patterns of language books and changing what's displayed on the shelves based on the circulation patterns that they're seeing. So definitely do not have to be a data scientist, although lots of data scientists
0: love Tableau too. We do a lot of charity work in Brooklyn, it's where we live, and uh, you know, it's a diverse community. And the old days you would just have a bunch of books in English. I mean, so I'm sure that that is something that they had no idea how to handle until you guys came along.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really exciting to be uh, able to work with them so they can make data driven decisions because Uh, As they say, without data, it's just somebody's opinion.
0: Very good. I like that. Now, we think about data, we think of Internet of Things. And we think about, like, when Chuck Robbins comes on for Cisco, there's just billions and billions of pieces of data. No one can really make any sense of it. It sounds like Hyper, at least, could make it so that we could use it for something.
1: Exactly. I mean, with with, with IoT and so many other big data applications out there, there, there's just an an inundation of data. And so much much of it needs to be analyzed, and a lot of organizations have trouble doing that. We're working with one Fortune 50 industrial company who uh, is able to load in with Hyper uh, in their testing uh, 10 times the amount of data in half the amount of time. And more importantly, because they can bring more data in and analyze it in one shot, They've gone down from 30 different you know, workbooks, uh, independent, to look across their worldwide businesses into one single workbook. And just think that's about that's you know, how much easier, how much more cognitively it makes sense to one human being to be able to look at and do analysis
0: in a single well, workbook. Well, I can imagine that's what an Exxon would do. I a mean, World's largest oil company, different uh, markets, different places, have to be at home uh, east of Africa and southeast Asia, know what to do with their drilling budget. They need tablets. Exactly. And uh, ExxonMobil uses us
1: in a, a whole bunch of different ways uh, from uh, fr- from doing security and risk profiling all the way through some of their upstream and downstream businesses. They've been a great partner over the years.
0: Well, that's amazing because, you know, it's been before, previously they've had to use a lot of different vendors to get that stuff and, and not necessarily in a way that is easily understandable for a person who's not a computer scientist from a major university.
1: Yeah, well, we've actually seen a lot of that trend of consolidation with a lot of big companies consolidating down from uh, the largest number I heard was 21 different BI solutions uh, from big Fortune 50 consolidating dating down to Uh, just a couple solutions with Tableau being the lead one. And as we build out Tableau more and more broadly into a full analytics platform, it's being used as a mission-critical
0: technology solution within a lot of big enterprises. One last question. Uh, Before this, before Hyper, were there uh, competitors that you felt like you had to It was like six or a half dozen, and now you've leapfrogged them?
1: Uh, well, I think uh, hyper is a breakthrough technology. Right. At the end of the day, it's about the business benefits. I think really what it's going to allow people to do is to analyze fresher data. Okay. So uh, before, with th- when things took a long, longer time to load in, mm-hmm. bigger data sets, longer to analyze, People just refresh their data less often. You mentioned right, IoT. Right. Think about uh, our, our customer, National Grid, who's you know a big electricity and natural gas company or uh, a, a, a wind farm. You've got all this energy data coming in. And if it's if it's still, you're making old decisions based on old right. data. Right. If you can make uh, up-to-date decisions, you will make better decisions. And I think that's really the potential for I- improving businesses with, uh, with Hyper and Tableau. Well,
0: you said you were going to reinvent the company. You're obviously doing it with the right kind of tools. I remember when you first came on, and you said, this is a work in progress. We're going to get there. I think that this sounds like something that's going to take the industry by storm. So I want to thank Adam Slipsy for coming into the studio. He's the president and CEO of Tableau Software Data, which has really done magnificent things in the last two years. Dan money's back here for the break. It is time. And then the lighting round server. Are you ready, ski daddy? It is time for the light round crazy. I'm starting with Blake in Nebraska. Blake.
1: Hey, Jim, a big booyah from Nebraska. I got love a love the corn Oscars. What's going on? <laughs> Pretty impressive stock in 2017. Company is iRhythm Technologies, symbol IRTC. We have
0: to get them one more out in San Francisco because you're absolutely right. They do heart palpitations, they do a lot of stuff that I was hoping that my watch one day would do because that's how you stop heart attacks, the most preventable form of death in this country. I like it. Let's go to Diane in New York. Diane. Hi, Jim. How are you? I am good, Diane. How about you? I'm great, thanks. I have a question for you. We had Southwest Airlines a couple of years ago. We sold it. We just bought back into it two weeks ago. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you're smarter than I am. I sold it for the charitable trust, and I got to tell you, I thought I was so smart making the 10 15%. This one goes still higher. Somebody downgraded it yesterday. It was shameful. Let's go to Rick in New Jersey. Rick! Hello, Jim. Thank you for taking my call, sir. Of course. My question is about general dynamics. I've held it for a while, have a small game. And it's like watching grass grow. Do I, well, look, we can sell them by Scott's Miracle Grow, but I actually prefer General Dynamics. General Dynamics, Raytheon, and Lockheed Martin, they are all for me. I think you've got a good one. Let's wait. It's about to have another move. That's how we trace and fits and starts. Let's go to Tina in Arkansas. Tina. Hey,
2: thanks for taking my call, Jim, and um, for teaching me so much over the years.
0: Sure trying. Thank you. We had some nice people <laughs> at that conference yesterday saying that and made me feel real good. up uh, by <laughs> the way, right. Omar, thank you for the ride. What's up?
2: Hey, I'm down about a million percent on Frontier Communications. Is there any hope or chance of a takeover in FTR or a turnaround?
0: Uh, you know, it is up 10 percent this year once the uh, – I saw the tax loss selling. The reason I know is because someone on Twitter was saying, listen – I love their service. I'm buying it. I just don't like the balance sheet. I'm not going to pound the. T- yeah, you know, I'm not going to get in there and say, listen, the chart's looking a little better. I would scale out on any strength. Remember, that a million percent. The greatest the greatest thing about some stocks is that they do stop at zero. There's never been a minus three. But I do think that Frontier is a trou- very troubled company. I want to go to Mary in Georgia. Mary. Hey, Jim. How you doing? I, I am good. How booyah, about you, Mary? But I feel more like
1: boo-hoo. Why? stock is Southwestern
0: Energy. Mary, Mary, you're quite contrary. I think you're absolutely right. Southern is Southern. (laughs) Too much net gas, not enough oil. I say stay away. Let's go to Terry. Terry in Arkansas. That's the second from Arkansas. Razorback Terry. Yes, sir. Hi, Jim. Uh, Terry from Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. A golfing Mecca. Great show, Jim. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You are in one beautiful area. I have been there, and you are so right. How can I help? Well, I've owned Toyota Motor since 2007, and the current dividend is 2.67%. Do you recommend buy, hold, or sell? Toyota Motor is a beast. I would still buy it even up here. That's how good that company is. And that, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Lightning Round.
2: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
0: Something amazing has happened here, and it doesn't get enough attention. Individual companies don't seem to matter much very more. Index fund buying has gotten so strong that it overwhelms all but the smallest stocks, ones that, of course, are too small to be included in the averages, and the largest ones that are so big they feel like the indices themselves. You know, it didn't used to be this way. Even as recently as a few years ago, individual stocks mattered. A bad quarter from a big-name company could hurt the whole market. Now it doesn't even seem to create a ripple in its own sector, at least not if the group has some momentum. Why does this matter? Simple. The dominance of index funds makes it harder to be a stock picker. Oh, boy, is it ever brutal on short sellers, too. Why bother with a high-paid hedge fund manager who takes huge fees when you just put your money in an index and get an average return with a whole lot less effort? And look, I'm a big fan of index funds. They're a great way to save. You shouldn't even consider owning individual stocks until you've got at least ten grand in an index fund. But that doesn't mean I want them to control the whole market. And they do now. It was a little hard to see this coming, I've got to tell you. You know, I remember once talking to an extremely cerebral CEO at a major retailer 25 years ago, whom I was congratulating as his company had just been added to the esteemed S&P 500. Oh, he wanted nothing to do with it. He was actually quite upset about it and wanted to know how he could get his company removed from the index. I said that was silly. His membership in the S&P 500 is a badge of honor. But he told me he felt like all of his work was thrown out the window because his stock, which had been a good measure of his personal performance, would now be just a commodity like every other stock in the index. He said that one day it wouldn't matter at all what he'd done. The judgment of his company's worth would be set by the indexers. Not long after that, he sold his company and retired to do charity work. I bumped into him not that long ago, and he was as adamant as ever that once a company gets into a major index, its individual CEO's efforts are meaningless except unless they sell the company. Boy, time has proven him to be visionary. I think it's lamentable. When I interview someone like Jane Elfers, the incredible CEO of Children's Place, all I can think is that you'd have a much better return from owning that terrific stock than you would from the indices. The truth is there are still plenty of individual stocks that can generate amazing performance that's much better than the averages, but the forces of passive investing don't want you to hear about them. They're such zealots. Stock picking still can matter. And you know what? When we see a phenomenal executive on this show, we need to call them out. We salute them. So the next time someone tells you that active money management is strictly for boneheads and anyone with a brain puts all of their money in index funds, I got an idea. I want you to remember the story we heard from Domino's Pizza earlier in tonight's show. That stock has gone from $10 to $200 because of one person. Now, he'll say the team, of course, but it's because of CEO Patrick Doyle. I want you to try getting that kind of win from an index fund. I dare you. Stick with Craig. At an FDR like twist today, maybe you have nothing to fear other than from the people who promulgate fear themselves. We saw that at the opening today. A lot of people panicked. They didn't even know why they panicked. Gave you a chance once again to get in at some pretty darn attractive prices. i like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. And I promise you to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you tomorrow.